So this is the Beer and Pretzel Podcast. I am Austin. Brad and Travis couldn't be here today, but I'm here with their questions. And I'm here with Craig from Capers. Craig, how are you doing? Um, pretty good. I'm good. <laughs> Technical snafus aside, we are we are going. We're happening. Yeah, we're trying to make it work somehow. A lot <laughs> of technical issues. But so you're the author of Capers as well as a couple other games that I'm going to be addressing as some of my questions because I was mm-hmm. kind of curious about them. But we're mostly talking about your career as a writer for tabletop RPGs and Capers, which is what we're playing on our show. So the first question, which was, this is my question. I'm kind of curious about how you got into not only RPGs in general, but mostly writing for RPGs, making it as part of your career. Um, well, RPGs I got into, you know, being introduced by a friend in college, actually. Um, I never played it when I was a little kid or in high school. It took until my first year of college, and a friend of mine said, hey, this game's got, you know, dragons and knights and wizards and stuff, and you should play it. And I said, sure. And we played, uh, that was D&D, you know, AD&D second edition back in the day. Um, and it just kind of, you know, it, it grew from there. And I've, I've played plenty of D&D, but I've played all sorts of other games as well. Um, and there came a point, um, as far as like the, the writing side of thing goes is, uh, in 1999, actually, I got the opportunity to write a, uh, a module, um, for, uh, for convention play for living Greyhawk. Living Greyhawk had just been, um, introduced with the, uh, with third edition coming out and I got to write something for that. And then a few years later, I wrote a little something for dragon magazine. And a few years later, I wrote some things for, um, I wrote like some convention adventures for the RPGA, which is, uh, I don't know that how many people still know what that was, but the role playing gamers association, that was kind of the organizational, um, aspect that ran like living campaigns and, and, uh, individual modules, um, for D and D and for some other games. And, uh, in 2007, I got laid off from my day job as an architect and started looking around for idea, you know, possible other sources of income to kind of help tide me over until I got my, you know, another day job. And so I bounced my name around to a handful of people that I knew in the RPG industry, mostly at Wizards, and got writing stuff there. And that kind of bloomed into a pretty uh, regular freelancing career um, just on as a side gig for uh, D&D kind of at the tail end of third edition and in through fourth edition. Um, and then the end of fourth edition, everything started to kind of ramp down for a lot of freelancing because they were, you know, figuring, figuring out fifth edition and planning that. And, um, that's when I decided, Hey, I'll give a, you know, I'll take a shot at designing my own game. Cause now there's drive through RPG where you can put out a game as PDF and you can do print on demand and there's Kickstarter to help you get funded to, uh, you know, to pay for artwork and layout and all that. And so that kind of. You know, it was just like a slow process over the course of many, many years that I just finally got to the point where it actually took off into something in just the past few years. Yeah, and to go off what you were saying, I 100% agree with how it's kind of nicer for RPG designers. Like, back a while ago, it was mostly companies, like big companies that would make games, but now kind of anyone can with enough work and determination because with Kickstarter and it's just much easier to recruit people to join your team and make and get people that are passionate about your games and might be interested in it um, to kind of pitch money towards it to make your dream a possibility, which is why yeah, I kind of really, kind of why I wanted to make this podcast was I wanted to try a bunch of new games. Cause I love D and I love some of those other big name games, but I wanted to try a lot of these kind of indie games i want to say they're not necessarily indie but they're made by individuals with their own companies for the most part and a lot of them are just so good it's just that of course they don't come from a big company you know uh do you have before we go on to another question any just off the bat favorite games are made by not huge companies more independent by not huge companies um oh sure recommendations for more indie stuff for you guys to play absolutely yeah um stephanie bryant wrote a game uh created a game called uh threadbare which is um it's built off of the um, apocalypse world engine if you're familiar with the various games that get built you know powered by the apocalypse uses that kind of system um but it's a simple kind of a streamlined version of that system and in threadbare you play broken toys living in a broken world um, so it's like the post-apocalypse, but you're a toy. 
Um, so you can be, you know, like up there's, there's, oh, I want to say there's like three types of toys. What are they called? There's like softies. And then that's like, if you're a plush toy and then there's one for, if you're like a hard plastic toy, and then you're also, you could also play a sock, um, huh. because kids use, you know, sock puppets and things like that. And, uh, the game is built around, uh, just kind of living in that world and trying to kind of rebuild, um, and, and, you know, mend the world that's been broken. Um, but you're also sort of broken. Um, there's also a game called, uh, dream chaser that I'm a big fan of. That is a very open ended game. It can be very much about any kind of dream that you want to chase, but the game is built in such a way that it's very, uh, very collaborative, very involving of the players right from the get go and deciding like how long the campaign is going to be, what the kind of story steps are going to be, um, and kind of getting buy-in from the players. Um, and then there's a, a system that kind of builds off of that. Um, and the GM can kind of take you through the story of chasing whatever that dream is, doing whatever that thing is that the, the group decides they want to do, along with any other like sub goals or character um, arcs that they want to hit on and you know, character moments. Uh, those are two of my favorites to, that I, I like to, to pimp because they're, uh, they're really both very imaginative um, and they're a little out of the ordinary. Yeah, those sound quite interesting. Yeah, we'll check those out for our podcast because we're always, always looking for good ones to try out. And Dream Chaser is designed by a game named Pete Petrusha, and his company is called Imagining Games. Imagining Games. All right, let me write that down. And that toy one sounded really cool, too. Um, I know there's, I'm not sure if you ever played, there's another RPG that I want to try out on the show that is somewhat toy related in that it's kind of like that in that it's a post-apocalyptic future but you play as kids but the game system is kind of unique sort of how like your game uses cards and that they use a lot of other games so you might incorporate cards or dice but also like um like word games kind of get put in so like any type, oh sure yeah it's kind of so like it uses uses various other games as the game mechanic for that game yeah more like traditional games like non-rpg okay. which is kind of interesting i always like games like that that have a new and kind of interesting system to go with it huh. and speaking of system i'll jump to another question of mine which was <laughs> if you can talk about i noticed when i was looking at your website that the capers system which is the, how you use the cards in it, which is a really cool and fun system. You put it down as a Creative Commons, so I was wondering if you can tell, I know what it is, but also the audience who may not be so familiar with it, but also maybe why you decide to go down that route. Um, sure. Uh, the, the game is, uh, Capers is all about playing gangsters or law enforcement characters in uh, the Roaring Twenties. Um, and um, you know, along with prohibition and, um, you know, prostitution and racketeering and all that sort of thing, certainly gambling, um, and illegal gambling plays a big part in organized crime during that era. So it was one of those things that kind of thematically, it made sense to use playing cards rather than dice. Um, because I wanted also just kind of as a personal challenge, I wanted to explore like, what can you do with playing cards? Um, and the system works kind of like, um, like each trait check or power check is like a little gambling game unto itself where you will have multiple cards that you're able to flip depending on your skill in whatever it is you're trying to do. And you flip one card at a time and each card you look at and determine that the, the pip value determines success versus failure. So you might need a jack or better or you might need, you know, like a queen or, uh, or uh, you know, maybe you only need a nine or better to succeed. Um, but then the suit determines the degree of success or failure with clubs being the worst and going alphabetically up to spades. Spades is always the best suit. So you might get a king of clubs, for example, and the king is a very good uh, flip. It's almost certainly successful, but clubs is the worst suit. So there's going to be, you know, it'll be barely successful and it'll be there'll be a complication. So do you stick with that card or do you flip the next card that you have available to you? And then, you know, so like. Now you can you can flip the card and hope for something, you know, a good flip with a better suit or, you know, you risk failure in the process. So like each game has like a multiple card flip or each uh, trait check has kind of a multiple card flip thing happening where you're kind of gambling with your character's success. Um, so that's the basics of the system. There's there's a little more complexity to it than that, but uh, that's the basics of how it works. And then the core rule system. Um, that is like that mechanic plus like the, the superpowers side of things and a few other parts 
um, I released as a, a Creative Commons license because um, I wanted to encourage people to uh, to be able to check out the system um, easily and free um, because you can just get the, the the SRD document just to kind of look at that um, with no you know it doesn't have any of the flavor and it is just like here's the rules um, but it also uh, opens it up uh, for people to develop into another genre or to expand the capers game itself and they could potentially make their own game um, or their own expansion to capers that uh, that builds off of the system that I developed and uh, I just thought you know why not why not put it out there and and give uh, people who kind of dig that system the opportunity to try to build something with it um, without having to get like any sort of special dispensation for me I mean like if you tell me you're doing it I, I can provide you with a logo that'll you know called there's like a capers core logo that'll you can put on your on the product um, and I'll even, you know, maybe take a look at the rules a little, what you're developing a little bit. And I might have, you know, some feedback or whatnot. Um, but it's it's really to just encourage other people to to try to build something. Yeah. Um, and Because I've had a lot of people do that for me. We have been very encouraging. So I like sure. to pay that forward to people. Yeah. And there are a couple of game systems like that that are creative commons that allow people to check it out and use it in their own games. You kind of see it with the Forged in the Dark well, how there's mm -hmm. a lot of cool games coming out, like Scum and Villainy. There's now the Band of Blades game that's out using the Blades in the Dark system, which is really cool. So it'll be kind of interesting to see a couple of new RPGs spring up, possibly, that use your system. Fingers and, crossed. Yeah, fingers <laughs> crossed. And also looking for your website because you're talking about how you'll check out people's games if they're using your system. I saw which was really interesting and kind of cool how people can contact you and they can kind of work out a fee so that you can take a look at their game and you can kind of critique it as someone who has been in that industry for a while, which I think is kind of cool because sometimes it's harder for up and current people to know the exact way to write without maybe studying a lot, but that's kind of neat how you can go there and critique people's work and help them out a little bit on your site. Yeah, I've uh, I've I've put up some rates for a number of things where like coaching to do Kickstarters um, or just kind of indie, you know, self-publishing yourself, um, uh, re system reviews and everything to kind of just sit down and go through like the basics of a of, of somebody's system that they put together. I'm not necessarily going to be able to pick it apart or help you read, you know, redefine it or anything, but I can, you know, I can sit down and and, and you know, kind of run it through my brain and give you my thoughts and, and sure. maybe maybe there's some suggestions in there maybe uh, you have some uh, questions that I might be able to help with might be able to answer or at least provide ideas um, and you know hopefully if uh, uh, you know you hopefully if you do that you find some value in uh, in what I'm uh, providing um, in the, the the rates are not terribly expensive um, I don't think um, and that's, and it's, and I'm new to this too. So it's all kind of flexible. I mean, I can talk with people about like what they're looking for and what they can afford. Sure. And that is on your website, which is nerdburgers.com. Nerdburgergames.com. Oh, games.com, which also you can get some other of your games. And you kind of answered this already, but Brad wrote me and said the question that he wanted to ask you, one of his three or four, was that he said, which came first in the design, the theme, or the mechanics? Both are incredibly <laughs> interesting. I love the 1920s super-powered gangsters. I also love the use of cards with different valued suits. Uh, the, the theme of the game, kind of what the game is about, came first. Um I was toying around with ideas for a supers game and I was looking at like different takes, you know, different twists that I might put on the supers genre. And, um, I, I hit on the gangster thing in the in 1920s. Um, and then I was kind of tinkering around with like, well, okay, how, how does this get approached from a mechanical standpoint? And at one point I even considered like taking the mechanic, the dice mechanics from my previous game, murders and acquisitions, and just kind of refining that and building that out into something for capers. Um, but I kind of became enamored with the idea of the playing cards. Um, uh, because, uh, one of my favorite games is deadlands and the original mm. deadlands uses playing cards for uh, a few different parts of the, of the mechanics, although dice are still part of it. And so I kind of, uh, you know, I started exploring the, the playing card idea after I had the basics of what the game was going to be about kind of in my head. And then, then it all sort of 
meshed and melded and they all kind of bled into each other as the game developed. Makes sense. Uh, I'm glad you love that game. I was actually going to ask <laughs> earlier if Deadlands was an inspiration because the original oh, classic yeah. Deadlands, such a good series. Love it so much. I love, I love Deadlands. I love everything about it. It, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a Western fan. I'm a post, you know, post like civil war reconstruction guy. Uh, you know, it's, it's got campy horror. It's got, you know, uh, you know, wacky magic and historical figures kind of reimagine everything. It's a great game. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, Brad wrote also characters in a game literally have moxie. And he asked, (laughs) did you know that the term was first coined by a soft drink company? And have you ever (laughs) tasted moxie? Because in the regional area, which is Vermont, where we live, it is a regional favorite around here. Right. I am. I am familiar with the soda. Um, I've not had any, although I know you can get it online. You can get like a case sent to you. And I've, I've come close to buying it at, on a few occasions. Um, I, I, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't know anything about specifically where the term came from. And I know that, you know, actually I've kind of taken it out of context, out of the historical context, a touch because Moxie's like the term Moxie came, became like more of a thing, I think in like the forties or so, um, but it just seemed to fit fine, you know, and fit well for uh, for a, a game set in the twenties, um, if for no other reason than a lot of the earliest movies that we know about things that happened in the twenties came in the forties, um, with with that uh, you know that uh, crowd of actors and like you know hey he's got Moxie see, um, so that's kind of yeah. But I'm I'm gonna get the soda one of these days. Mm. It's definitely an acquired taste for sure. I've, I've heard, yeah. Yeah, you either love it or you <laughs> hate it. It's not really a middle ground. So Travis <laughs> wrote me and said his question was, in that this game uses, uh, of course, powers that you can play gangsters with superpowers, which is really cool. He was wondering if there was ever a point that you were considering or not really having more supernatural elements, say, uh. I don't know, like monsters or something, or was it always going to be strictly the most supernatural part of the game would just be the powers? Um, in the initial inception of the game that's set in the twenties, the the core game, it was always just kind of sticking with, um, with superpowers. And there's a section of the book at the end that actually expands it into like, if you want to give superpowers to regular animals, um, like that, the world could have that in it. Um, and so then you sort of have monsters, right? Yeah. If you do that, you've got a fire breathing wolf or an owl that can turn invisible or whatever. Um, but, uh, like as far as going full on monster monster, that was never intended. Although I did, you know, since after capers came out, I also did a supplement called capers noir, um, which sets the game. It, it provides a whole bunch of supplement stuff. Um, that you can use in the core game, but then also provides you with an alternative setting that's set in the 40s and, beca- and turns the game into sort of a moody, atmospheric, crime noir sort of story with mystery and everything. And that actually has monsters in it that I, you know, I, I oh, okay. put together a reasoning behind why there are some things that go bump in the night um, and ghosts and uh, that sort of thing to kind of uh, be part of that story. And, uh, and uh, that's uh, there. There will likely be some level of monsters in a future supplement as well. That's being worked on. Um, Very cool. So, like it, it, it when it makes sense for the uh, the shift in the subgenre, and for kind of the way I'm taking in that subgenre, then um, you know I, I'll do I'll do monsters. I'll do you know kind of advanced technology. I'll do all sorts of things if it fits. Mm, of course. That's very cool. Yeah, we're going to have to check out Noir because right now the expansions are Noir and the newest one that's coming out on Kickstarter at the moment, right? Yeah, right now on Kickstarter is um, uh, Capers Covert, which is um, just – it's going to be wrapping up on Kickstarter here very shortly. Um, And that takes this – again, it's a supplement that provides additional stuff. There's new powers, new rules, expansions, stuff for GMs, all that sort of thing. But then also another alternative setting where you take the game forward from, uh, you know, the 20s, then it was the 40s, now into the 60s. And this version of the game becomes um, a sort of classic James Bond-style super spies and super villains 
with superpowers, um, which of course means that it has uh, gadgets and there's gadget rules in there. So there's your kind of like in more advanced miniaturized technology that becomes part of that game that, you know, uh, creates an option that you can, you can utilize that. And there's nothing that says you can't take that back into the 1920s game if you wanted to. Yeah. And speaking of superpowers, Brad wrote and said, in a game about superpowered characters, why include the rules for regular exceptional characters? Um, the intent there was, like, in, in the game, there's what are called capers. Those are the superpowered characters. And then on the other end of the spectrum, there are regulars, which are just like your your regular day-to-day people. that They have a couple of hits. If the super gets into a fight with them, they're going to knock them out in you know, one or two punches. Um, but then there's also a type of character called an exceptional, which is a character that is has, like, they're, they're a little tougher. They're a little more skilled. Um, they have a little more something to them, but they're not super powered. They don't specifically have powers. Um, the idea for that character is like you you can play that character alongside of um, characters with superpowers and and exceptionals have some cool stuff that they have access to. Um, so you can play that kind of character alongside that. You could play a character that utilizes um, what in the game what's referred to as trem gear, which is basically gear equipment that's created with um, um, a newly discovered element and it, it it's it's your iron man kind of thing it's like right it's your you've got a regular person but they have cool equipment that makes superpower kind of stuff happen they don't the, the powers aren't inherent to themselves um so you can have that type of a character and then you can also have a character that maybe you know starts out as an exceptional and doesn't have powers but then you know gains powers as 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 a as a story element part way through the campaign so i needed a baseline to um, allow to have a character that would gain powers like halfway through the campaign or something like that. So okay, just just providing options for different play experiences. And I'm, I'm glad you did that because I just find it, it's very fun to play a character with superpowers and that's what we all did and went along with, but I was very close to playing a character without superpowers because I kind of find it interesting in a world with a lot of people without superpowers and you're one of the main story characters, but you don't have powers. You have to rely on your wits and strengths, but also maybe some superpowered gadgets. So I'm glad sure. you threw that yeah. in there. And, and the game is built in such a way that none of the superpowers make you ultra, ultra powerful. These are like B-level kind of street, you know, street supers kind of stuff. So if you're playing a character with no superpowers and you have a Tommy gun, you are still a serious threat to superpowered characters. Tommy guns are very deadly. Uh, a quick step away from capers. I was looking at your website and die laughing. I haven't <laughs> played that yet, but maybe you can tell us a little bit about it because in my opinion, at least from reading your description on it, it seems like the perfect game for us in that we do one shot beer and pretzel themed games. Sure. So it seems pretty interesting, especially for our show. Um, yeah. Die laughing is a, uh, is a short play GM list game. Um, where everybody is playing a character in a horror comedy movie and you're all going to die. The assumption is that maybe one character survives, but probably, you know, very, very, very possibly everybody dies. And so if your character is going to die, you might as well make it interesting and funny and entertaining. Um, so there, hence the, the horror comedy kind of aspect to it. Uh, and then once your character is gone, you become a producer on the movie and you, so you, you stay, you remain involved and you can continue to influence the story, just not with a character. Now you're a producer and you can kind of mess around with everybody else through the end of the story. So the, the game itself plays in just a couple hours, depending on how many, you know, a little more, a little less, depending on how many players you have. Um, it uses a very simple dice system. That's like a dice pool that, de- that depletes as you go. And that as you lose dice, um, that becomes a, a countdown to your character's death. If you run out of dice, your character you know, dies or gets turned into a sexy vampire or something. That sounds great. Um, all right, we'll have to try that at some point. And a question by Brad said, this is a little bit more open-ended creative question, I guess. His last question to you was, oh. 
He loves the GM toolbox with comic tropes and the extra cities for variety, which uh, since I was running the game, it was pretty entertaining and fun for me to read through all the many cities you provide. That was awesome and all the NPCs within it. I love the PDF for your game because it's not like some games are like 400, 500 pages, not that long, but it's not super short, but it's perfect because there's enough rules to make it interesting, but it's not something that's going to spend like two days going through all the rules, but also Mm -hmm. there's a good section at the end that you could either read through all of it or just pick one city and just read that. So I love how the uh, PDF, and of course uh, the main game, main book was set up but his question was if you're gming a session for us or someone else right now something extreme with a world ending cataclysm right off the bat what city would you have us based in so maybe a favorite city in your world maybe and what would be the threat that we were trying to stop uh like a cataclysmic kind of thing like really ramp it up is that what he's saying yeah i think so Okay. Um, well, in the game, um, in, in the GM toolbox, there's um, alternate Earths because that is a trope of, of, of comic books and superhero stories where you've got like this alternate Earth where things went a little differently and this alternate Earth where Superman's a bad guy or whatever, right? Um, there's a number of alternate Earths in there and one of them is um, an Earth where World War One was not fought between um, nations on the Earth. It was fought against aliens. Um, and we won, um, but the, the, so that, but that alternate earth is kind of like post war is post war against the aliens as opposed to war against, uh, you know, amongst countries. And so if I wanted to do something cataclysmic, just out of the book, I would say we would take the information that's in there, have the invasion begin. Um, and so there's, you know, there's actually stat blocks and information for those aliens, um, as well as some alien technology. And uh, I'd, I'd probably set it in New York City just because um, uh, New York City is one of the, the cities in, in the game that has a pretty strong, you know, write up. And so there's a lot of opportunities, a lot of characters, a lot of interesting locales, all sorts of fun places to have alien battles. Um, and it might force the uh, in, in, uh, in New York City, the way it the, the, the way it's set up in the world is that there's a lot of little gangs, a lot of small gangs that are all have all these truces amongst themselves. And it's a very uneasy and kind of tenuous situation. And this would be one of those situations where like, you know, they're having their, their, their problems with each other and they're constantly on the brink of, of, of gang warfare. And then the aliens show up and they're all forced to work together. So I could see it being a campaign that went for like, you know, five or six sessions of just normal gangster stuff in New York. And then the aliens show up and now you've established all these NPCs that all the characters hate or are trying to, you know, to, you know, ultimately want to go after or get, you know, kill them or get them put in jail or whatever. And now you have to work with them um, to deal with the alien threat. And then after you deal with the alien threat, then you can go back to fighting each other. Yeah. Okay, that sounds yeah, that would be pretty fun, and that was also pretty fun to read through, like how you were saying all the other versions of Earth you could use within the game. It doesn't have to just be on Earth, Earth. It could be different universes or worlds, uh, which kind of adds extra flavor to an already really cool game. All right, so kind of my last question is. What are you working on next if you have anything besides wrapping up the current Kickstarter? And if people listen to the episode after your Kickstarter ends and they want to check it out, is there any way they can get involved? Or maybe where would you like them to go to check out your game or other games that you made? Um, Sure. Uh, Well, uh, to start with, uh, the Kickstarter is ending fairly quickly. I'm not sure when you're posting this, but it's going to be over pretty quickly. But... Um, I've decided to actually take the, the, the campaign over to Indiegogo as well for a few weeks to just kind of treat that as like a pre-order place. So you'll you'll be able to continue to get uh, Capers Covert and other uh, backer levels that get you the core game if you don't already have that. And, you know, you can get the other supplement and there's other um, PDF support materials. And there's there's a there's a few different backer levels that allows you to get a bunch of different things. Um, so I'm taking the whole thing over to Indiegogo. So after if the Kickstarter is done on the pay on the Kickstarter page, it'll have a button that, that shoots you over to Indiegogo or you can just go to Indiegogo and search for Capers Covert. Um 
and uh, for a few weeks that'll that'll be happening. And uh, as far as what's in the future, um, I'm in the midst of doing of working out the third supplement, which is going to be Capers Off World, which uh, will be set in the 20s again. It'll be like a, a supplement that you layer on top of the core game. Um, that imagines what would this world of superpowered gangsters and everything, you know, prohibition happening in the twenties be like if Flash Gordon slash Buck Rogers style retro future space travel also existed. Um, so now you're having characters that are taking their their uh, nefarious uh, criminal activities out into space to other planets where other alien species where, you know, you can deal with them. And then you've got, uh, there's law enforcement and there's like a space core, you know, there's a, there's a, um, you know, space police, basically a <laughs> space agency, um, that is, uh, hunting down criminals in space as well. So you can kind of build out the, the core game into that. So expect a lot of, um, you know, like laser guns, uh, kind of classic, you know, rockets that, you know, like, you know, conical rockets with the big fins and flying saucer type rockets and spacesuits with big bulbous uh, round uh, glass helmets and things like that. Um, and that'll be another, you know, like I said, like the like the other supplements, it'll have um, a whole bunch of material that's in it that you can just use in any of the capers um, settings or games. But then it'll have all the space-oriented stuff as well, space spaceship battles and all sorts of stuff. Okay, yeah, that sounds really fun. And yeah, by the time this episode will come out, it's come out soon, but it might still be after your Kickstarter. So definitely, people can go check that out on Indiegogo to uh, continue um, to get involved in this. And where can people find you and your work, the rest of your work, and besides this um, what Indiegogo campaign? Sure. When I'm not uh, kickstarting or doing Indiegogo, uh, you can go to nerdburgergames.com to see what I'm working on. Um, you can buy things at drivethroughrpg.com, and I am at nerdburgercraig on Twitter. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm pretty active there, and you know that's a good that's a good place for to uh, actually you know talk to me. I, I try to stay pretty active on Twitter. Okay, uh, thank you very much for coming on, and we really enjoyed playing your game, so people can listen to this interview, but also go back and listen to the couple episodes of us playing Capers. And in the future, we will be playing Capers, we'll be continuing the same group of characters, but we're also going to be trying out Capers Noir, as that sounds really fun, and of course, <laughs> uh, your new uh, newest version of the game when it eventually comes out on drive through. I'm not sure when that'll be probably a couple of months or something like that. Uh, Capers covert. I'm hoping to fulfill before the end of the year. Okay. Okay. Perfect. But yeah, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you. That was a, this was a good time. Oh yeah. And for the audience, you can listen to more of these episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher and follow the beer and pretzel podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram where we post updates when we're playing new games, when we have new reviews on games or new interviews with the game writer. Um, and yeah, and then we'll talk to you guys next time on the Beer and Pretzel Podcast. And this is the Beer and Pretzel Podcast. This is our review of Capers, the RPG where you play as gangsters in the rolling 20s with superpowers. My character had the power of weather manipulation. I only used that once. I should have used that more. Yeah. Travis, you had the power of making your skin really hard so you would take less damage. Which I never used. Not once. No, you used it in the first game. You didn't use it in this game. The second game. Okay, so probably I forgot I had it. Yeah. Okay, so I did actually... Okay, good. And Brad's character was an exceptional person, but he had a lucky uh, coin that he would use in battle. You can listen back to our episodes where we played as our gangsters with superpowers in the rolling 20s. This is our review, and at the end of this review, stay tuned because I have an interview with Craig Campbell, the writer of this game. All right, let's start with re Ugh. All right, let's start with the review. All right, so first we're going to talk about character generalization slash book layout. So you guys will talk about characters, how they're built, but also how they're set up, their character sheets, and just kind of playing forward with them. We didn't have the chance to level up the characters, so we'll just be going off what you guys have already done. And I'll be talking about the book layout. All of our reviews, it's five different sections. 
based out of 10, you can give it up to two points. As long as it worked, you give it two points. If it didn't work, you give it less than two stars. So for me, I think I'm actually going to give it a two stars because for book layout, it didn't have as much art as I wanted, but there was enough art in the book. And this book does have, it's not super long. It's 160 pages, which is pretty um, normal size to smaller than most RPGs. But if you're like, even that's a lot for me, most of that is filler. The beginning is teaching all about the Roland 20s, and the end of the book is a whole ton of backstory on many cities your uh, adventure can take place in, such as Detroit, Chicago, New York, or Atlantic City, like where we base our adventure on. So if you kind of are only looking for the rules as a GM, it was pretty easy because the book isn't very long, and most of it is just filler information and the rules don't take up that much space. And even though this book is all based on superpowers, like spells kind of, the spells section isn't super long. So it's not like D&D how you have like 100 pages of spells to go through. So for me, two out of two for book layouts. Now you guys will talk about characters, how they're built, and it's going to be a little bit difficult because when we built our characters, it was like a month or two ago. But let's just talk briefly about it. Brad. Uh, I'm a little torn here. I, I think it works well. I like the character that I ended up with. I thought the character creation was a little difficult for me though, because a lot of it is very vague. Mm. Um, so I, I don't quite want to give it the full two stars, but I don't quite want to knock it down to 1.5. Sure. So I think I'm going to give it 1.75. Okay. 1.75. All right. Travis. Um, so my character is very vague. I don't actually remember anything about my character. I didn't even remember he had a superpower. Um, but I think that was my, mainly my fault. I didn't yeah. put enough information into it for me. So that that was probably a lot my fault because I could have easily written down more and made him more into a D&D character, I guess. But um, overall, I did like it. I uh, found it a bit like different, but not in a bad way. So sure. I'll give it a two stars. Yep, it worked. So next we're going to be talking about game mechanics so for game mechanics for me this guy interesting because this game no dice it's only cards also for people out there who are trying to make their own rpgs this game is a little bit unique it's like john harper's blade in the dark system that as long as you credit it in your own rpg you can use the game system craig was telling me how no one has used yet because this game is new but he's hoping for in the future people using this rule set for their own game as long as they credit as the caper system, they can use the game system in their own games. I know I'm making a game that is a noir-based game, and a lot of noir gangster tales are told around card tables, so I might use this in the future, unless I make my own system. I'm going to give it 2 out of 2. Um, I don't know if it's like the my most favorite system I've ever used, but this is if it works. And I think it works because... These type of gangster stories are told around cards, like poker tables, and I don't know, I think it's very unique, and we have played the game Deadlands before that also uses cards, but this, it's full front, that's the main system, it's just drawing cards, and I don't think there's any other system like it, and I think it works, I think it works well, and I think it works, so I think I'll give it a 2 out of 2, it's kind of it's unique. Let's go around this way to Travis. Yeah, so for a classic gangster-type game, I will agree with you. It definitely works well. I don't know how well it would work for, like, a fantasy-type game. Sure. Especially mainly because we're so used to using dice. Yeah, that we I are. Think it just kind of fits. It works for this game. It works for especially. this game. And I, like I said, I think for the genre. I think for, uh, like, you want to build a noir gangster-type game, I think it might even work for that. So I think yeah. that style of game, the noir or the just the the uh, <laughs> gangster-type uh, fighting games in general. Yeah. It works. It works really well. So I'll I'll give you a two. Um, I'm I would be interested in knowing the process for choosing the target numbers for things with the cards, whether they were just arbitrarily chosen or how much uh, mathematical analysis was put into making the different difficulties. It seems like uh, sometimes things can be more difficult than if you're just rolling dice. Um, but I'm really, 
really not sure about the probabilities of things. So I can't really say anything one way or the other on that, I guess. I would just be interested in learning more about it. Sure. Um, the, the one thing that I would detract from slightly is the special abilities. I thought they were interesting, but there are so many components to them and so many different That's ways fair. that you can use them. I was kind of confused by my special abilities and powers and uh, gear throughout the game. So I, again, I don't feel like knocking off a full half of a star. So I think, again, it's going to be a 1.75. Okay. So 1.75. Okay. So now we're going on to world and lore. So the world and lore is that there are exceptionals, kind of like mutants are born and they have powers. So I'm kind of conflicted. No, I think I think I can continue with going to out of two because for me the DM there is a ton. So the lore it's not really so much a ton of lore. It's pretty much just some people have powers. You could be born as a caper who has powers. Not a ton of lore besides that. But world building at the end of the book there is many many pages. It's like thirty or forty pages based on different cities and all the NPCs in them. Like, Nucky Thompson, who we work for, is the major NPC in Atlantic City, but there are more people I could have put in the game. New York, there are big mafia bosses in New York and other NPCs you can interact with, either good or bad. So I think I'll give it to you too because there's not a lot of lore, but there is a lot of world options if you don't want to just be based in one city. Or even if you do... There's a lot of NPCs, and there is a map for every city, I believe. And there are also small sections on smaller cities, too. So I'll give it a 2 out of 2 for that. Travis? This is going to be a 1.5 for me. And like you said, they're just... Other than the fact that there's a lot of people that have superpowers, it just feels very generic on how they set up. Mafia, As, gangsters, yeah, Tommy guns. Just a gangster setting yeah. with powers. Yeah, I mean, th that's the only thing that kind of brings it up a notch. Otherwise, I would probably just give it a 1. But I do like the superpower factor, even if they weren't easiest to use. So, yeah, 1.5 for me on this one. Okay, Brad. I can see what Travis is saying. Uh, I do like the idea of having information for different cities, different gangs the police this seems like a system where you could really set up like a like a dc or marvel type um thing where like we could be super villains and the different cities could have different superheroes um it, it feels like a system that you could really build a really in-depth world with very easily so i i think i will give it the two out of two stars for this so i'm gonna kind of go back and then kind of jump back i was originally gonna be like travis you're right I'm going to knock it down to 1.5, but I'm going to jump back to it too, because I was going to agree with you, Travis, that even though there is a lot of NPCs and like different towns, lore-wise, there's not really a lot. So I'm going to agree with you on that. But I'm going to credit Craig in that he has three different expansions to this game available, so I kind of have to credit that in there. He has the noir setting, that is a traditional 1950s noir setting, but he told me, when I asked him the question of, did you ever consider you some monsters in this? He said, yes, it's in the uh, the noir expansion. So there are monsters you could put in it. There's also a version of the game where it is pirates. You play as pirates with this game system. There's one that is a covert, his new expansion to his game. You play as covert spies. And his future one he's going to be doing is one that's in space. So based on the expansions alone, I will keep the stars at two out of two. All right. Well, I'm I'm gonna leave mine at one point simply because I've played the expansions. That's fair. Had I played the expansions, I probably would give it sure. two out of two. But for the moment, it's a one point five. And maybe in the future, instead of playing level two of these characters, maybe we'll try out other expansions in the future. Maybe we'll play Down level two of the expansions. You never know. Yeah, that's true. All right. Now we're gonna do our last two sections, which is which is replayability and playability. For replayability, I'm going to knock it down to 1 out of 2, only that, and it might be just because it's a new game, there's a, not a lot for me as a DM to run for future games. He only has the level 1 campaign, it's not even a campaign, it's an adventure, he has a level 2 adventure, and then he has a level 1 adventure for Lawbringers, 
This is including all the expansions as well. It's like just a level one. I haven't one. read into those expansions, so maybe they have adventures in it. But just in this main book, there's no adventures in the book. You, The main books, okay, expansion PDFs, are the ones that are the adventures. Oh, okay. So there's not a lot for other ones. But, so I'm talking as a DM, that if I'm not creative and I don't want to make up my own adventure, there's not a lot. But if I'm creative and want to actually put effort, I'm sure because he does have a section on enemies at the end, I could make adventures that we can keep playing. He does give advice on how to make um, level up your characters so you can keep playing. So I'm actually going to bump it back up to 1.5 because as long as I'm not lazy, I could make more adventures. And also there are... Actually, for replayability, there are other expansions. Uh, I'm going to say 1.5. Just because... Yeah, I'm going to say 1.5. I don't know, but for you guys, talk about replayability and like how you feel like if you can keep playing. Like, could this be a campaign or a mini campaign or a side campaign, or if it's like really much like one shot and done? So, as far as the leveling system, has he gone into detail on that, or is it like he's maxed out at level two? No, it's maxed out at level two on only adventures that he created and can buy. Okay, you can so you could can, you could you could turn this into a campaign if you really wanted yeah, to. Yeah, it's like D and D has like a level ten or level twenty max. Okay, um, I'll also go for one point five simply because I really want to check out. First of all, the Lawbringers kind of sounds like fun because we yeah. play, of course, as the the gangsters, the villains. Playing as the Lawbringers, and also I, I kind of want to see some of those expansions, especially the Outer Space one, because Gangsters in Outer Space sounds kind of fun. Yeah. I don't know if I, I kind of want to just take off a point, just so I'm not going to give this a clean ten out of ten. On the other hand, like if he has other expansions, you could make this a replayable game. Yeah, and also <sighs> as you said, you could turn this into a game if you really tried. Uh, I'm gonna be nice, Sam. I'm gonna turn it to a two point two. Uh, have I taken off any points? So I think I'll be, yeah. All right, Brad, your turn. Yeah, um, I think I'm going to go with 1.5. Yeah. It's... I'm going to stay with 1.5 because the game system, even though I like the game system and it's unique, it's not my favorite game system. And as a DM, I like games that have a very fun and easy game system. So I wouldn't run as much as like a simple and fun like game system like Blaze on Dark, for example. Great. Fair. Don't yeah. interrupt, Brad, and right, Brad, quit changing your mind. No, that's fine. I was kind of having a hard time thinking about what I wanted to say anyway. But um, I think that it definitely has replayability. I don't necessarily want to have to buy the expansions, though. Mm, that's um, fair. Even without the expansions, I think the replayability is good because I think you could probably play different games with different kind of themes even if it is all about this kind of gang warfare, you could um, play characters at different levels of the gang. You could have different types of things going on. This the, the superpowers really add some interesting ideas that you could play around with for stories. And I imagine it wouldn't be difficult to run the game as either superheroes or law enforcement um, instead of criminals even without sure. the expansions so uh i can see what you're saying austin and travis but i, yeah, I think i'll give it 1.5 okay yeah uh for playability which is the final section on just playing and having fun in the moment i think yeah i think i'll give it a two out of two it's fun yeah it's fun uh so i'll give it a two out of two and I'll end up giving this game a 9.5 out of 10 as kind of unique. I like playing as gangsters. I like having superpowers. And I think the game system works. Like, I wouldn't play this every single week, but I think the game system is pretty fun for playing once in a while. So, yeah, I'll give it out to it, too. Press. Oh, kind of still deciding. I don't know if I want to take it down a notch or not. I, I did have a lot of fun. Um... I did find a few flaws. Mainly, I just, for certain parts of it, I guess I got a little bit bored, I guess. Sure. But overall, I had a good time, so I'll say the two out of I won't bring it down a notch, so it'll be a 9 out of 10 for me. Yep. I'm going to give it a 1.5 for playability. I thought some of the things we used in character creation were a little um, difficult to actually apply in-game, 
For example, I was a stickler for the rules. Uh, my virtue was that I was uh, very loyal and that I also had a gambling problem. I had a hard time at points finding a way to take those ideas and make my character use them. Um, on paper, it sounds easy enough. Um, and then there were other difficulties I had with gameplay where I had questions that probably could have been answered by the rules if I read them more closely or would be ironed out with repeated play. But just playing it this one time, I think I would knock it down half a star, 1.5. Uh, definitely one I will want to revisit with you guys in the future. I think... So to, let's, before we wrap up this episode, how do you want to do it in the future when we return to this game in the future? Do you guys want to do the level 2 adventure, or do you guys want to jump right into playing as the Lawbringers or one of the expansions? I would be interested in playing this same scenario, but say a year or two has passed, and see where our characters are then, and what's going on then. Yeah, so yeah, definitely level 2, or maybe even if you create one like a level, up to level 3 or so adventure. Sure. You know, just something to have a bit of fun with it, I think would just yeah. to see how we could continue on from here. Yeah, I think uh, uh, a month or two we could definitely join back. And I think it'll be interesting to see what happened to our characters over a while. Maybe because of how well we did, we have progressed to higher ranks within the game. Yeah, I, mean, I think that'll be interesting to play out. All right. But yeah, no, definitely recommend this game. Uh, we had a lot of fun with it. It's a very good game. Uh, sorry I kind of bounced around a lot. It's kind of... Uh, yeah, I bounced around a little bit, but no, overall, I think it's a good game. Yeah. Very good game. So this is awesome from the Beer and Pretzel Podcast. We'll see you guys next time with Slasher Flick. Or actually, no, Aliens. Well, whichever one I upload first. <laughs> Fair enough. And or Dread. And or Dread. All of the above. Why not? We'll sure. upload them all one day. <laughs> yes. <laughs>